Future Forward is very much of kind of the next generation of givers who want a new group that sort of speaks to their values. They're the anti-swamp while also being swampy, I'm sure. Welcome to the Powers That Be Daily, Puck's podcast focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood, and the players who run it all. I'm Peter Hamby. It's Thursday, October 20th. Today, Teddy Schleifer and Tara Palmieri are here to talk about the super PAC sweepstakes afoot in Washington. They have some juicy reporting on which outside fundraising group will get Joe Biden's blessing as the hub for big donors heading into 2024. A bunch of Democratic strategists, consultants, and money men are jockeying for position, and whoever wins will have a huge impact on the next presidential election. We'll hear about all that and more on today's episode of Powers That Be. Happy Thursday, everybody. The weekend is almost here. And to get you excited, we're doing something we rarely do on the powers that be, which is we have two guests today. Two. And their names both start with T. Uh, Teddy Schleifer and Tara Palmieri, who are here to talk about a big story kind of happening behind the scenes in politics in uh, Joe Biden world right now, which is the competition to become Joe Biden's super PAC if Biden runs for president in 2024. So I want to bring both of them in. Guys, how you doing? Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Peter. So, Teddy, I want to start with you. Can you just like back up a second and tell us like why in the world we should care about a single super PAC? Because it feels like in this era, like the Trump era especially, like, you know, he certainly raised a ton of money from small donors and didn't really need super PACs. But there are outside groups all over the place in this midterm cycle. Priorities USA, that was the sort of blessed, sainted outside group that the Obama campaign would direct big donor money to. They also did outside stuff for Hillary in in 2016. Why does this matter so much? Peter, there's hundreds of millions of dollars on the line. Priorities USA started about a decade ago, right after Citizens United, was kind of the opening salvo of Democrats' super PAC ambitions. Um, you know, longtime listeners of the pod and longtime Democratic operatives remember that it was like an era when Democrats were sheepish about this. You know, 2012, there were tons of stories when we were all five years old about, maybe not you, Peter, but when I was five <laughs> years old, um, about about whether or not Obama would even cooperate with them. And, and sort of the evolution of this is now there's so many different options. It's like, you know, you went to a restaurant that, you know, you only had one type of soup and now it's like, which of these 87 different clam chowders do you want? There's different t- different types of super PACs. And now we're at the point where priorities, which was the only dish on the menu, now Democrats are have to scramble and fight and you know kill each other over which of these super PACs will get the so-called blessing. Um, and why it matters is, you know, there will be a lot of super PACs, I'm sure. Trump has a lot of super PACs. Biden has had a lot of super PACs in his days. But now... The one that actually gets the rose here is going to be in charge of what lots of Americans see on TV. They're going to be in charge of when Democrats are on the air, which is another question super PACs have to make. How early do you go up? And they're going to have the credibility with donors. This is not just a four-year storyline here or 2024 storyline. Like You could see, not to be too fatalistic about it, but like, is this the beginning of the death of priorities, you could ask, if you really believe that, you know, what is the Democratic super PAC universe going to look like? 2028, 2032, 
2132. Who knows, Peter? This could be a, a key moment in, in kind of who has the power in democratic politics. I want to get into what outside group might be the blessed one in a, in a moment. But first, Tara, like all of this presupposes that Joe Biden runs again. And you and I have talked about this, I feel like a few times on this podcast, that Biden might run, he might not. But outwardly, his advisors have to put all the puzzle pieces together to flip the light switch on if he says go. Right. Behind the scenes in the White House, what are Biden's political advisors and outside advisors saying in terms of where they want this money to go if he does start to run again? It's a good question. So you're right. He hasn't decided if he's running, but they do have to start making these moves. And there's certainly pressure from the consulting class um, to make this decision right. Um, they kind of want to lock it up while they've got that clout with the White House. And it's also a major flex by them, even if Biden isn't the nominee to pick the super PAC, because, you know, if Biden does decide that he's not running, the person who wins the nomination will end up likely going with that super PAC as their blessed super PAC as well, because all of the like infrastructure will go towards that super PAC already. If it is one of their final moves in, in power, you know, it would be the decision of Jen O'Malley Dillon, who's his deputy chief of staff, his future campaign manager, if he runs again, his past campaign manager, and Anita Dunn. And, you know, both of them, Anita Dunn is his like comms chief senior advisor, but she's got a lot of weight in the White House. And she is really for this future forward pack. There's with some people in the White House who felt like priorities didn't live up to the hype this last time around. There was a little bit of grumbling about it. And Future Forward is obviously like ended up outspending them and ended up going really big in 2020. It was a surprising, you know, Silicon Valley crew of donors that just came out of the gate and ended up like really punching above their weight. And it turns out that Anita Dunn is an advisor or consultant to one of these groups that is in the running. Um, she's leaning towards them. And, you know, this is a big, this is a flex for them even if it is on their way out and they're certainly thinking about which group they get to bless. It's probably like one of the more powerful moves they are about to make, if not choosing the convention city, you know, choosing the debate lineup and then this picking the super PAC. And not just because it's like something you get to brag about around town, like, Oh, we're running the president's reelection super PAC. It's your good. Like you mentioned consultants, people, someone, a group of people are going to make a shitload of money off of this. So you guys mentioned in your piece that Anita Don, White House advisor, has consulted in the past for this group. Um, I'm sure she's made a lot of money, though not as much money as she made consulting for AT&T, Pfizer, and all the other companies that she consulted for, which made for a nice pretty penny, according to her investment portfolio that she had to sell off when she came back into the White House. But Teddy, this is a group out of Silicon Valley, uh, and that's your sort of wheelhouse. What is this group? I feel like a lot of people haven't heard of them. Sure. So Future Forward. Um, I know these groups all sound the same, but Future Forward, came out of nowhere early in 2020. That's when I sort of began hearing about it. It's heavily connected to Dustin Moskovitz, who is um, one of the early Facebook founders and ended up giving the group at least $50 million. Their whole premise was to basically be very stealthy and low profile until the very end. So they barely did anything, if I recall, until around October 2020, when this group that no one's ever heard of unleashes like something like $100 million in late television ads, you know, bashing Trump. And people were like, where did this group come from? And, and the answer is, this is very much a flex by the Silicon Valley set. You know, the donors who have given to Priorities USA in the past typically are kind of more old guard people from Wall Street, 
people associated with like the Democracy Alliance, sort of the uh, you know Obama 08, Clinton 2016 kind of crew of donors. And Future Forward is very much of kind of the next generation of givers who are not crazy about going with the old guard group. They want a new group that sort of speaks to their values. So Future Forward in 2020 was not a blessed group officially, but had a strategy that revolved around late television. And that would be expected to be, you know, the 2024 strategy in theory as well, at least if past their prologue, is that Future Forward is going to be a TV-heavy group. They are backed by academic research, which I know is at least influential among some Silicon Valley donors, that late television is all that matters, that doing TV in the summer of the off year or even the summer of the on year is just a waste of time. They're also big believers that like, you know, the, the idea of splitting digital away from TV as sort of a siloed part of the ad spend doesn't make any sense either. And they are very much kind of informed by academic literature. And they tell people, Future Forward tells people, or at least hints to people that sort of the current consultant class at places like Priorities and frankly, in lots of kind of democratic advertising is out to lunch. They sort of argue in a wink-wink way that current super PACs and current outside groups don't test their ads enough. Certainly, the Ballyhoo Democratic establishment would disagree with that narrative. I'm just framing it this way to kind of give you a sense that Future Forward sort of existence and ascendance is in some ways like a direct reaction to Priorities USA. They wouldn't put it that way. They're too smart to put it that way. But that's how it's read by people. Like this is a sort of anti-consultant, anti-establishment group that, you know, whether that is true or not, that is how they are positioning themselves in the marketplace. They're the anti-swamp, right? Right. That's what they're trying to say. While also being swampy, I'm sure, and ultimately. (laughs) Exactly. People are going to make money here. Yeah. I'm going to come back in one second, guys, and talk to you some more about this. It's fascinating stuff. So, Tara, when it comes down to making the decision of who's going to be my re-election campaign's favorite outside group, who makes that call? Like, is it eventually, is it just the president eventually? Like, or is it like Jen O'Malley Dillon? Or like, is it a group of advisors? Is it some rich guy? (laughs) It's Jen O'Malley Dillon. It's Anita Dunn. It's like his political infrastructure. And then his arm is sort of twisted into it one way or another. Like, the pitch is made to him. Very few people have that kind of access to Biden to be able to make that sort of pitch. Like, hey, pick me. You know what I mean? He's actually like fundamentally against super PACs during the primary. He didn't want a super PAC behind him. I don't know if you remember this, but Biden like on the record was like, I don't want any super PAC money. Found out he was losing. Then they were like, okay, yeah, we'll take it. (laughs) Well, this is why this is why this matters, I think. And I mentioned this at the beginning is at least the Trumpy MAGA style candidates from Donald Trump on down, like Marjorie Taylor Greene. Carrie Lake, whoever, like they've done a pretty good job of creating a like cash waterfall from just being outlandish political characters and raising small dollar money online. It kind of feels like the big donor RNC Bush McCain style cultivation of like high dollar givers and having those events. Teddy, you might know that I feel like that's kind of withered a little bit. On the Republican side, I think there's something to what you're getting at, Peter, which I think Tyra and I actually both talked about in in a previous puck piece. There's sort of been this barbell effect right now where the donors that matter are the donors at the very, very, very much grassroots level and donors at the very, very, very much tippity top elite level. 
people who can cut, you know, $5 million checks or even $1 million checks. And the people who are neglected, and Peter, I think this is what you're getting at, where the numbers don't add up are sort of the, the 46 stop, you know, fundraising tour of the country where you collect 150K for a 45 minute round table in Milwaukee. Like I'm thinking back to like McCain and Romney, which were my campaign days, like McCain would go into Cincinnati, do an event in Cincinnati, and then go out to like the suburbs and like Indian Hill and raise money from like some some super rich people, I'm sure, but mostly there's like middle tier, like business types, lawyers, like local fixtures. And like, that's something that just like Trump did it sometimes. It wasn't a regular part of his campaign itinerary. It does feel like, Teddy, the Democrats still need to do that kind of thing, or am I am I wrong? No, I mean, look, there there is a uh, universe of of donors who all came into politics after these groups started getting set up, and they are in general kind of distrustful uh, of the existing groups. So they don't only just want these repositories for their you know generosity to to exist; they also want to create them. It feels like the super PAC infrastructure is catching up to the donors, where the you know the money is there, the groups need to exist. ASAP. So it feels like there's just like a new generation of donors who just have philosophical views that differ from the old timers. Right. And it seems like if Future Forward becomes the vehicle, it becomes the group that signals a, a bit of a migration away from the traditional Democratic donor class, whatever that was. I mean, not totally, but there, there will be more of the Silicon Valley inflected point of view in terms of how they do their business. Yeah. And Peter, where I think this is going to end up is that there's going to be both. The likely scenario here, and I'm doing a little bit of forecasting, but is that future forward, I think what is likely as of right now, will will get the TV blessing, meaning that the Biden campaign at some point will put out a statement, obviously not now because they, you know, are not technically running for election, but at some point they'll put out a statement saying future forward is the blessed group. It'll be official. Donors will know it. They'll read it. They'll donate. And then priorities might end up getting a blessing of their own, maybe like a mini blessing, which designates them the super PAC for digital. In which case, so you have sort of a, a split the baby approach, you know, that also kind of explains how this rift in the White House between Anita Dunn and Jen O'Malley Dillon over this very question, both groups could get some sort of blessing. But like, make no mistake, even both groups getting a blessing would be a twist in the pecking order that has defined democratic politics the last decade, where it was priorities, period. There were no other groups that were considered on the level of priorities. Now, I think we're going to end up in a situation where Silicon Valley has their group and kind of the old guard has their group and they try to make the tent as big as possible. We'll see how that does. We'll see how the compromise proposal works. But I think that's where we're heading. In fact, you know, we reported in the piece that priorities expects not to get the TV blessing. So like there is an element of this goose being cooked. And I think ultimately that's where we're going to end up. It'll be interesting if they do split the baby because you, you alluded to this earlier. I think a lot of media strategists at this point think the idea of like doing bespoke digital and bespoke TV separately is stupid and you should be buying audiences and hitting them with targeted messages, whatever they are, but they should be consistent according to the audience. And two different super PACs potentially could have different messages, different vendors, different targeting capabilities. And so like that, that creates a whole bunch of other problems. And the only other thing that I think is worth pointing out here is beyond the Silicon Valley culture and the, this new group of donors, Priorities was fundamentally Clinton, Obama, Clinton group. And in campaigns, at least successful ones, like culture and identity flow from the candidate at the top or the principal at the top. 
Biden and Obama are close, you know, not as close as maybe some people think they are. Biden and Hillary, not close. And I think among Biden and Obama's staffers and advisors, there's a little bit of competition, a little bit of resentment, a little bit of finger wagging across both worlds. And moving away from priorities could also just be like a symbolic move from Biden world too, to sort of like break away from the Hillary Obama sort of elements of the Democratic Party. Um, so that I feels like that might be a little bit of a, a thing going on there too, even though it needed done worked across all of the, all three of those Democrats. Um, it, it does feel like Biden world isn't exactly super enamored with Obama people and Hillary people anymore. I'm, I'm shaking my head vigorously for folks who uh, don't have the pleasure of seeing this. But yes, there, there is the sense that <laughs> priorities is Hillary group. It's an Obama group. It is not a Biden group. And that, you know, priorities hasn't really played great politics in the Biden era. I mean, what priorities is going for it is Guy Cecil, who is priorities chairman, is close with General Malley Dillon. But the sense is that priorities is on the outs and that part of the reason Future Forward has the inside track is because they just have this great relationship with Nina Dunn that the Guy-Gen alliance cannot overcome. The sense is totally, Peter, is that priorities is not a relic of the past, but is very much not a 2024 Biden group in part because it's 2024 and it's Biden and you know times have changed. If Biden doesn't run, the only thing we can say for certain is is that the super PAC for Pete or Newsom or Klobuchar or Kamala will be called Future Priorities Action mm. USA, Inc. Or yes. something to that effect. Some Mad Libs version of that. The number of times I'm talking with someone and I, I think that they were talking about the same group and then you discover like two or three texts <laughs> in the, into the conversation that actually like, oh, that's forward future. <laughs> and then you realize that you have wasted 10 minutes of your time. That has happened a couple of times in my years. Congrats, you're giving money to Fusion. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Teddy, Tara, thank you guys so much. You bet. Thanks, Peter. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of The Powers That Be. As a reminder, The Powers That Be is the official podcast of Puck. We'd like to thank Ben Landy, Liz Goff, and Alex Bigler for their editorial and production guidance. If you like what you hear, please share with a friend. It really helps us keep delivering the inside scoop that only Puck can offer. Follow us on Twitter at Puck News. I'm Peter Hamby. See you tomorrow. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13 Studios. Please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. The Powers That Be Daily is executive produced by John Kelly, co-founder of Puck, and Chris Corcoran, chief content officer and founding partner of Cadence 13.